Beethoven Orchestraville. Orchestraville? Where's that? You change, you change four score and seven to, to 87? A landing was made this morning on the coast of France by troops of the Allied Expeditionary Force. I don't blame them for dyeing your hair, I said, but they waited too long to embalm it. Time now for spinning my dad's vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Baccarello. Thanks, sweetie, and thank you for tuning into episode 94 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. We once again will reach into one of my favorite collections that my dad had. Not only because of the great big band music on it, but because of the album cover itself. So get ready to hear from a band leader who has been called the father of modern military music from an album I used to trip over as a kid in Volume 94, Glenn Miller Collection Part 3. <laughs>
There is Rainbow Rhapsody, written by Benny Carter and recorded July 16, 1942. Okay, why this record for this episode? Well, I've always been a big fan of this collection. This album introduced me to big band music and one of the band leaders who made it popular. Then, when I was working in radio, I heard even more of his music and how much influence Glenn Miller had on entertainment in the 1930s and 40s. His influence still lives on in the Glenn Miller Orchestra that still travels the world. Give them a follow on Facebook. It's a young, talented ensemble that looks like, like they have a lot of fun on tour. Okay, next up, a song as standard as they get. Mm-hmm. 
Little Brown Jug, and nobody knows who wrote it because it's listed as traditional. It was broadcast June 2nd, 1940. Okay, let me tell you about my dad's vinyl I have chosen for this episode. Glenn Miller and his orchestra second pressing on the RCA Victor label number LPT 6700. It's a collector's issue series. It's a five vinyl LP compilation format released in Canada in 1956. Its genre is jazz and its style is big band swing. We will hear record three of this set, which is sides three and eight, and we will hear six of the 12 songs on this record. Now, there is a multi-page booklet with Miller's story on it inside, and it's nicely spiral-bound within the album format. And I have chosen three paragraphs for this third time we are digging into this record set. Speaking of his band style... Miller once observed, while many orchestras have an alto playing melody in the sax section, my band leads off with the clarinet in conjunction with the bottom tenor sax. This type of orchestration is really not so new, at least in classical music. Rimsky-Korsakov, for example, used it extensively. In retrospect, It would seem that the Miller Band achieved recognition in the summer of 1939 when it opened at the Glen Island Casino, but he himself dated its success from a night early in the same year while playing in New England. He and his musicians were stranded in heavy snowdrifts and spent the night at a farmer's house. Quote, taking the hard breaks teaches you to stick together, he remarked later. After that night, we weren't just a band, we felt like a band, unquote. This is probably as reasonable a date for the beginning of his rise as any other one that might be suggested. In any event, within a few weeks of having spent the night in the farmhouse, the Glenn Miller Band was on stage of the New York Paramount Theater and doing handsomely. From there, it moved on to the Meadowbrook in New Jersey, where it gained a national audience through broadcasting 10 times a week. (laughs) These big bands had such insane, intense schedules. Okay, let's see what prices this record is being sold at on Discogs.com. $32.85 for the highest, $13.14 for the lowest, with a $22.99 average and median, last sold on March 2nd, 2022, for that nearly $33 high. I found a copy on eBay for $39.99, and Amazon had uh, several for uh, $40 to $80. Now, my dad's album condition, the cover is poor because of the discoloration. I've seen copies online that it is still a brilliant pearl white, and it's kind of squishy, too. It's not the the regular hard uh, cardboard that you are used to. The internal book, however, is in really good condition. Being closed all this time has kept it that way. The media itself, of course, the the record is in poor condition. Uh, uh, Several songs have major skips, and it looks like these albums were on that automatic changer uh, uh, together quite often. I know I put them on the self-changing spindle myself quite often. I listened to this collection quite a bit. I'm valuing my dad's copy at $8. And now, why, yes, I think I am. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
Just a chip off the old block. It was written by Al Young and recorded December 8th, 1941. Time now to learn even more about this great band leader, and we will focus around this quote. A band ought to have a sound all of its own. It ought to have a personality. Alton Glenn Miller was born in Clarinda, Iowa on March 1st, 1904. But it was in North Platte, Nebraska, several years later, that Glenn actually got his musical start when, one day, his father brought home a mandolin. Glenn promptly traded it, traded it in for an old battered horn, which he practiced every chance he got. In fact, his mother worried it got to where Pop and I used to wonder if he'd ever amount to anything. Fast forward to 1937, where this quote will now have some context. In 1937, Glenn Miller stepped out to form his own band. There were a few recordings, one for Decca and one for Brunswick, a couple of week-long stints in New Orleans and Dallas, and many one-nighters, but it was not to be. 
Though the group would play one more date several days later in Bridgeport, Connecticut, Glenn gave his men their final notice on New Year's Eve at the Valencia Ballroom in New York, in, the, in York, Pennsylvania. Broke, depressed, and having no idea what he was going to do, he returned to New York City. It is said that Miller could never remember precisely the moment he decided to emphasize his new reed section sound, but it was during this disheartening interim that he realized the unique sound produced by the clarinet holding the melodic line while the tenor sax plays the same note and supported harmonically by three other saxophones just might be the individual and easily recognizable style that would set his band apart from all the rest. Formed in March 1938, the second Glenn Miller Orchestra, which would later include the likes of Tex Beneke, Marion Hutton, and Ray Eberly, soon began breaking attendance records all up and down the East Coast. At the New York State Fair in Syracuse, it attracted the largest dancing crowd in the city's history. The next night, it topped Guy Lombardo's all-time record at the Hershey Park Ballroom in Pennsylvania. The orchestra was invited by ASCAP to perform at Carnegie Hall with three of the greatest bands ever, Paul Whiteman, Fred Waring, and Benny Goodman, and created more of a stir than any of them. There were record-breaking recordings as well, such as Tuxedo Junction, which sold 115,000 copies in the first week, In the Mood and Pennsylvania 65,000, all appearing on the RCA Victor Bluebird label. In early 1940, Downbeat Magazine announced that Miller had topped all other bands in its sweet band poll, and capping off this, uns- this seemingly sudden rise to the top, there was, of course, Glenn Miller's Moonlight Serenade radio series for Chesterfield Cigarettes, which aired three times a week over CBS. In 1941, it was off to Hollywood, where the band worked on its first movie, Sun Valley Serenade, which introduced the song and soon-to-be million-selling record, Chattanooga Choo Choo, and featured the Modern Airs and the Nicholas Brothers. Glenn Miller had found his band's sound and went on to sell millions of records. But on December 15, 1944, Glenn Miller boarded a transport plane from England to Paris during World War II, never to be seen again. It can only be imagined what he would have recorded as jazz started to change after the war. All right, let's move on to another great jazz standard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
One O'Clock Jump, written by Count Basie and broadcast on April 4th, 1940. Time now for this episode's interesting side note, and it has to do with the group of musicians who keep Miller's music alive. After the disappearance of Glenn Miller in 1944, the band was reconstituted under the direction of Tex Beneke, its lead tenor saxophonist, singer, and one of Miller's longtime close friends. A few years later, the Miller estate, having parted ways with Beneke over creative differences, hired Ray McKinley, principal drummer in Miller's Army Air Force Band, to organize a new ghost band in 1956. Hollywood contributed to the band's popularity and that of its founder and original members with the 1953 release of the Glenn Miller story on the big screen. The band garnered award nominations and box office success, as well as top hit status for its soundtrack album in 1954. The Glenn Miller Orchestra has recorded and performed under various leaders from 1956 to this day. Clarinetist Buddy DeFranco succeeded McKinley in 1966. Larry O'Brien served as director from 1981 to 83 and again from 88 to 2010. Singer Nick Hilser became the director of the touring band in 2012, replacing previous director Gary Toll. Saxophonist vocalist Eric Stabnow was announced as music director in August 2021. Wait, what? The music of Glenn Miller can still be heard as it was intended, live and in concert? Yes, the Glenn Miller Orchestra still tours extensively today. Just this month of October 2022, they will be in Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Maine, uh, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York, New Jersey, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. That's 24 shows in 29 days. They will be in Youngstown, Ohio in in December. It's relatively close. I'm not sure if I can make that show, but I have seen this orchestra in concert when I was working for WBBG in Cleveland back in the early 1980s. Next up, a song I envision my dad sang to my mom while they were dating. Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me. Anyone else but me. Anyone else but me, no, 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 don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me till I come marching home. Don't go walking down lover's lane with anyone else but me, anyone else but me. Anyone else but me, no, 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 don't go walking down lover's lane with anyone else but me till I come marching home. I just got word from a guy who heard from the guy next door to me. The girl he met just loves to pet and it fits you to a T. Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me Till I come marching home Don't give out with those lips of yours to anyone else but me Anyone else but me 
with me Anyone else but me No, no, no Watch the girls on the foreign shores You'll have to report to me When you come marching home Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me. <laughs> Vocals by Dorothy Clare, Tex Beneke, and the Modern Airs. Written by Charles Tobias, Lou Brown, and Sam Stept. And it was broadcast May 7th, 1942. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. I always enjoy listening to Glenn Miller music for so many reasons I'm not going to bore you with them. But... When I did see the orchestra at the Statler office tower where WBBG held the weekly big band brunch, I was able to bring my parents to that show. And it was so much fun to watch them dance together with a live big band in the background, not just some recording at a wedding. Plus, because of the size, shape, and material of the album cover itself, it's the most recognizable set in my dad's collection. Okay, let's hop on out of here.
The Hob, written by Ray Conniff, a name you've heard before on this show. And it was broadcast April 10th, 1942. And there you have selections from one of my dad's favorite multi-record sets. So thanks for tuning into Volume 94, Glenn Miller Collection Part 3, however you did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 95, Bobby Gets Mellow. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. (laughs) 